Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk, our WhatsApp number 087-1400-106. For the last time this year, Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Afternoon, that Joanna. That sounds ominous. It does sound ominous. <laughs> yeah, that sounded, in, yeah, I mean, like in advance of Christmas. Obviously, she, <laughs> uh, she'll be back. Uh, right, here's your first question. My daughter is, somewhat, is a somewhat shy, sensitive 11-year-old. We're living in Cork. She's very creative and sporty and excels in particular in team sports. While she is friends with both boys and girls, she's in a close group of girls that are extremely competitive and in a couple of cases, extremely confident and strive to be the best at everything they partake in. It's gone to the extreme of kids crying on pitches if the teams lose matches and jeer at oppositions if they're on a losing team. Other families get extra tutoring at home and the parents uh, do their artwork in order to try and win competitions. At the quieter, honest, uh, as the quieter or honest child in the group, my daughter feels very frustrated with the aggressive attitudes of one pal in particular on a pitch and dishonest approach from the other. She has plenty of offloads with myself and my husband at home and this has sometimes resulted in tears. She is beginning to feel the attitudes and approaches of these particular friends is gaining them recognition in sports and in school, albeit unfair. As a result, she's beginning to question her own abilities and on a couple of occasions says she hates herself. While I feel very relieved she's opening up and being honest with me about all of her feelings, I find this really heartbreaking to hear. We feel like removing her from these friends at times as it can feel quite toxic. But then we realise kids will have many blips through their lives, many clashes with friends and need to learn to manage them and build resilience while doing same. However, she genuinely likes her pals. How do I navigate navigate this scenario without any fallout with kids or parents and without my child feeling the need to change her personality? Oh, I mean, if you work that out, let us know. Um, Because I don't know how you're going to... There's no fallout. I think when you're trying to navigate anything, I'm just, as you're even reading that, I'm going, gosh, this is such a lot of pressure. Yeah. Focus on achievement for 11-year-old children. And I had to kind of go back as you were reading and remind myself, how old are these kids again? Yes. 11 years old. It's, you know, I don't hear any fun. I don't hear joy. I don't hear pleasure. I don't hear collaboration anywhere in this. And, you know, I could sit here, Sean, and say it's supposed to be effort over outcome. You know, it's supposed to be about them enjoying it and trying hard. But it sounds like that ship has sailed in this particular cohort. So I suppose as a parent, what you need to do is try to bring focus back inwards in your family for your daughter in terms of what's motivating her. You know, what does she enjoy about these activities? Because, I mean, look at the language is very particular here as well. You're saying she's somewhat shy and sensitive. She's very creative, sporty. She excels at team sports. And then we're talking about extremely competitive, extremely confident, the best at everything they Mm. partake in. Like the stakes are high for these kids. And I'm just wondering where that drive is coming from. Is it the kids themselves or the parents? I suppose I'm leaning into thinking it's the the latter. But when you say, you know, it is unfair that these kids are getting this recognition. I suppose try to take your frustration away from the kids who might be getting this, uh, you know, seemingly unfair recognition if their parents are doing their artwork or whatever it is. And think about what must it be like for those kids to be under that much pressure Mm -hmm. that their parents are sitting up doing art projects 
you know, and you're kidding nobody, by the way, anyone listening, if you do that, because the teacher sees your child every day of the week or at least five days a week and they know their they standard know. of art. Yeah. So if they suddenly turn in a project worthy of Matisse, they know it wasn't them. Yes. Like they know that was done by you. So you're not doing anyone any favours, nor are you kidding anyone. Yeah, there's a scene that. in The Simpsons where they say they're doing <laughs> that similar, paying out all these pieces of art and then the teacher says, now we have a special prize for the child who actually did it themselves. But, you know, there's something really in that, you know, and this is supposed to be about these kids learning how to navigate the world themselves. You know, your question at the end, how do you navigate the scenario? Look, I think this is great that she's talking to you and your husband. And I think it's a door you definitely want to keep open, that kind of open communication. But I would like you to redirect to her own goals, her own pleasure. So it's not just that she's coming to you to have this kind of gossiping givey out session about all her friends. You won't believe what this one did and that one did because that's not in your daughter's interests Mm -hmm. either. You know that you want to say, look, that does feel unfair. What do you do? When you're confronted with unfairness like that, where does it go for you? How do you handle it? How would you like to be rewarded or acknowledged for the things you do and bring it back to her? I think that's a good way to reframe it. Um, I would say as well, just as the parent here, you do sound very in this. Mm, (laughs) You're heavily invested in all of this. I'm going to suggest you take a step back and stay a step removed, not hands off the wheel, not stay out of it completely, but don't be too, I know, and this one does this and this. Take a step back from this and try to dilute some of the impact. It sounds incredibly intense for everybody involved, including your daughter. Look, these girls, I'm imagining, are fifth class-ish, give or take. Mm. They've another year of primary school. You know, they're probably going to go to some the same, some different schools. Things are beginning to change in friendships at this age. And you are noticing that your daughter's frustrated with a couple of her friends. She's going to work that out and manage herself, who she wants to be with and who she doesn't. You keep the door of communication open that she brings her frustrations to you. Redirect to her strengths, her motivations, what she's doing, and just let her know that as a family, you just want her participating in activities that spark joy for her, that, you know, challenge her by all means, but that she has fun doing them. Mm. And if something ceases to be fun, you can revisit that as a family and see what else she could do. But I think you need to shift the focus away from what other families or other kids are doing and just bring it back to what you can do within your own. Uh, Crying on page, they're 11. Crying on pitches oh, when they lose matches, jeering at the opposition when they, when they that win the really re- struck me. Oh because, my god! You know, there's no art of winning or art of losing mm. here. There's nothing. But you see, when it's not fun, Sean, this is the behaviour you see. When parents are also passing comments about other kids on the pitch, and this one didn't do this, and this one and stay to that team, kids mirror what they see and yeah. hear. So for children to be doing this and it not to be called out by coaches and parents in the first instance is deeply problematic and is in itself the crux of the issue here. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be difficult. No, I mean, you know, the whole point of taking a step back and and, and, and stressing uh, the enjoyment of it. Difficult to do, though, if she's going in, she's seeing, you know, these other kids who are being in. I, I, no doubt this is parents. The, yeah. A lot of this poison is coming from the parents. Hard for her to stay outside the orbit of that and not, you know, absorb that every day. It is, but I think you want to bring her focus back. If you stick with effort over outcome and if she's saying, oh, so-and-so's parent did their art project and they won the prize, you can say, but look how hard you worked and you put in all these hours and yours is fantastic and you're so proud of it and I'm so proud of you. And you keep your response about her, 
her efforts and what's going on there. Because otherwise, this last line, you know, I want to navigate it without any fallout with kids or parents. The parents yeah. are in here too. Yeah, so absolutely. I think if that is really your your goal, then you manage it by bringing it back inward to your family and you just stop the focus being on other people and what they're doing. Because you know what? They're going to do it. Yeah, anyway, anyway. it's true. Um, so yeah. if you can build up her resourcefulness and resilience from within the family and within the context of your relationship, that's what's going to stand to her in the coming years. Yeah. Our 15-year-old son has had a falling out with two of his siblings and this has rolled over to the rest of the family. He's so angry, he throws things around his room. He will not talk to me or my husband. He says he hates the family and does not want to live here anymore. He's asked to go stay with someone else. He will not say what is at the heart of the issue. Anything we say seems to make things worse. So we're barely talking to him at this stage. He has removed himself totally from the family doesn't come out of his room. He buys food outside rather than eat in the house. And he's taken the SIM card out of his phone so we can't contact him. We are walking on eggshells. This is going on for days now and shows no sign of moving forward. His anger does not appear to be diminishing. He's really stubborn. Should we give him time away from the family? How can we move this forward? He says he will not engage in Christmas. I was going to ask my brother if he could stay there for a night or two and let him have Christmas dinner with their family to see if this will reduce or take some of the steam out of the situation. How do we handle Christmas? Do we need long-term help with his anger and how he copes with situations? Wow. Wow. I mean, when things are blowing up this week, aren't they? But Crikey. that's massive because yeah. blowing up is the perfect phrase, actually, because when you were reading the beginning of that, I'm going, gosh, I wonder how long this is going on. It sounds like it's going on weeks. You know, mm. this is deeply entrenched. And then you say it's going on for days. I was like, days? Like, this is really current, raw, yeah. recent. Yeah. It's in yeah. now. But his reaction and the family's response to his reaction, I feel like, oh, hang on, there's more here. There has to be. But it sounds like they've never witnessed anything like this before. It's either that or this is a pattern. Yes. And this latest fallout with siblings is simply an escalation of a pattern because there's something about the, you know, if after a few days row with the siblings, it's showing no signs of moving forward and he's on the verge of leaving the house and you're giving consideration to facilitate him mm. leaving your family for Christmas I'm going, okay, either you're at the peak of something and it will lower, you know, or this is an escalating pattern. But to have a row and move to full isolation and leaving the house within days, it's a level of rage that is quite extreme. And I'm just curious, what was the falling out with siblings about? Yeah. Okay. Now, I think she says that they don't, he won't say what the issue was. Now, I don't know why the siblings won't say. Well, that's the other thing, because I was thinking, you know... First of all, as a parent, you li- you all live in the one house. What do you think is going on, mm. okay, or happening? If the siblings know something, now is the time for them to talk because this is at a really high stakes level. So if, they're, if they had a row about something that they know something he's involved in that he shouldn't be, let me just put that out as a what if, yeah. okay? A big what if, by the way. It could be nothing to do with this. We don't know how old the siblings are. Is it that somebody went into his room and crossed that privacy line? Is it something else? But his reaction is extreme. Like he's buying his own food outside of the house. He's not leaving his bedroom. There's very little communication either way because the parents have stopped talking to him. So for me, there's a lot about, okay, when was the fallout? Why was it? What was it about? And what can you do with it now? Because when you initially say, you know, should we facilitate him having time away from the family? I'm My instinct is no, he's 15 years old. Mm. And if you have him leave your family home, 
what's the plan to get him back yeah, in a day yeah, or two? And yeah. what's going to have changed in a day or two to entice him back? So what I am hearing is you have a brother, he has an uncle with whom he's clearly close enough that you believe he'd be amenable to going to stay with them. So what about having your brother, his uncle, come and meet him, go out of the house, go for a walk, have a chat with him, try to get to what's going on? Where has this come from? How can we get you through this? So that you're actually pulling in, I suppose, from your broader family network to help you get through this, because there is something here for me about how are you going to get him back in? I'm, I feel this parent is panicking and I'm curious why. Yes. Like okay. If, if your three kids have fallen out with each other three, four days ago, you've gone very quickly to he could go stay with my brother for Christmas, mm. which is next week. Yeah. You know, well, this weekend, next week. So I just feel like, you know, he is he sounds highly distressed, this boy. Um, I'd like you to go back to where and how this started. I'd like to know what's underpinning it. You're talking about him being so angry. Is this the first time? I doubt it, by the way, but is this the first time that you've seen anger in him? Um, to me, he sounds though, but sometimes what is, you know, shown, especially in teenagers and teenage boys as overt anger is often underpinned by high emotional distress yeah. and hurt and fear. And I'm curious about those feelings with him. And it also sounds like he doesn't have an ally in the house. He doesn't have somebody that he can go to and say, mm. so-and-so did this and said this and I'm done with it. I'm really outraged over it. It's gone very high level very quickly. Yeah. So when you say, do we need long-term help with his anger? Mm, I mean, I suppose I'm going to say yes, but... Because I'm not sure the issue is his anger, because this is more about you as a family. What's going on with his anger within your family and what's going on when you have rows within your family? How are they handled and worked through? What's the route to resolution or repair? How do people move beyond things? And it may be that what you're looking at is do we need a family therapy approach yeah. rather than does this child need to be outsourced for his anger and that to be looked at and he's the problem and this is scapegoated through him. Something else is going on here because look at all of our children, when they hit adolescence, we can get these kind of fiery outbursts and these extreme rage. But there's something that it's not being worked out within the family. Yeah. That is just for me raising that question. Yeah. The writer does say he's really stubborn. Yeah, there is a kind of a hint that perhaps this or a version of this has happened before. That's my sense. Yeah. So I, sp I suppose we all know people who go to DEFCON 5 immediately. Now, whether they're 15 or 35. And but, this but, is but, exactly it. And he may have been doing uh, it at five, by yeah, the way, as and, well. And, and, and then all the people around them don't know what to do, how you navigate that. Because no matter what you say, it brings it to that, it, it, you know, it's a zero sum game kind of no, immediately. 100%. And you know, it, if if that's the case, by the way, it is very rarely a case that somebody goes from zero to 90. Generally, people who hit 90 simmer at 65 most of the time. Yeah. You know, so there can be a simmering, bubbling anxiety, anger, frustration that's there. And then it doesn't take a lot to get them up there really high. Yeah. But again, when we're, the, and it's, be he five, be he 15 at this stage, what he still needs is somebody who can co-regulate him, which is to say, OK, I'm going to be the, the therm, you know, the thermostat in the room here. It's hot and I'm going to help you dial this down a couple of degrees. I'm going to stay with you. I don't understand what's going on. Maybe you don't either, but I'll stick with you so you're not alone with it until we can both make better sense of it, better meaning of it. That's not happening here. It's, mm. We don't know what to do with him. Everything we say gets it worse. So we're now not talking to him.
Yes. And so now you've got a really <clears throat> angry kid alone in his room, alone with his anger, alone within the family and saying, I want out of here. And that's really sad for any parent that is, here, yeah, by that the is way. Really like, that's sad, really yeah. painful. I can only imagine, especially, look, there's no good time for this to happen, but this week is probably a particularly bad time. I think the fact that you are leaning towards, look, at, should I ask my brother if he can stay there? I'd be, my first step would be, can I ask my brother to come talk to him? Yeah, yeah. Get him out of the house, neutral location, have your brother talk to him and then come back and try to talk as a family about this. But I think you have to go back to where and how this started because I think you've a very distressed teenager on your hands. Yeah. Uh, Just going back to that first question about the uh, uh, overachieving 11-year-olds, someone says, we had to remove our son from an under 10 football team because of the stress put on them. The club has a long tradition of winning, but we didn't know that when we moved to the area, we were shocked at the behaviour, language and attitude of the coaches and other parents. It was certainly not fun. No, uh, then, you did, the right thing, then you did the right thing. Walking away was the right thing. Our little girl is six and an only child, uh, but desperate for a sibling. It took us four years to conceive her and we spent a small fortune trying to have another. Two years ago, we decided to accept that our biological family was complete with just the three of us. However, we're now strongly considering fostering. But we know that could mean a teenager or baby or 10-year-old coming into the house for an unspecified length of time. Has Joanna any advice for explaining this to our daughter? We know she wants to have a brother or sister, but this experience will be quite different to what she might be accepting. Absolutely, it will be. Now, first of all, what a wonderful compassionate thing to consider doing. Yeah, you know, yeah. all that more people would or could be in the position in their lives to do this. I do a lot of work with children in the foster care system and, you know, there is a huge shortage of families and available places for children. So great. This is brilliant. But I I do think while fostering is an immense gift to give a child in care, do not confuse it with giving your child a sibling. Yes. These yeah. are very different yeah. things. And I know you know that, but it's worth really sit with that before you bring this to your six-year-old, okay? Um, first of all, Tusla uh, have a guide that is specific on this topic, so it's well worth you looking up. I, look, at I might be giving it the slight wrong name, but I, for me in my head, it's called A Child's Guide to Becoming a Foster Family. Mm. So that might be the subline of the, yes. name of the document, <laughs> but you will find it with that on their website. And really what you're saying to a young child is that fostering is about sharing. At its Mm. core, that's what it's about. You are sharing your family, you're sharing your home, you're sharing your stuff, you're sharing your friends, you're sharing your time. And it's a really great thing to do. But I think that you could put it to her in, in a variety of ways, but being clear about it's not just about welcoming in a child, it's also preparing her to say goodbye to yeah. a child. Because, you know, reunification or children ideally going back home to their families when things can be worked out and resolved for them, they're staying with you for a short time. Now, sometimes, you know, it's not the short time you think it's going to be. You might mm. think this child is staying with us six weeks and six years later, they're still in your home because it's an unpredictable thing. And with that, you can't give your own child certainty. Yes, absolutely. And so you shouldn't yeah. attempt to either. So you're saying that you all have room in your heart and in your home for another child to come and live with you and that you know there are some children who cannot stay at home with their own families for lots of reasons. Sometimes their parents need help working something out. Sometimes their parents are not well enough to take care of them. But lots of children are not able to stay at home and they need somewhere else to stay for either a short time, 
a medium time or a very long time and your family are saying, hey, we've got space in our heart and our home and we could have a kid come and live with us. We don't know who it will be and we don't know how long they'll be staying, but that's what's going to happen. So that's as much as you can give a six-year-old until you're in it, Mm. you know? Yeah. But it can be a really beautiful, positive experience for you all and you make sure that your six-year-old is an active part, that you are a fostering family not just foster parents who happen to have a child at home as well. Yeah. So you're all part of this. But I think, you know, prepare her for hellos, prepare her for goodbyes. That's the the hard. Well, I mean, there is quite a a rigorous vetting progress uh, process. And do they take into account how the six-year-old might react to this? Of course, it's, uh, you know, the vetting process to become a foster family is everybody who's at Mm. home and supporting and preparing everybody. So again, you don't want to tell her this is happening until you know if it is happening, you know, and that you are quite far down that vetting process. But the uh, fostering social worker who would come and the support, fostering support link worker who mm. would be assigned to the family will come and work with you on that and offer you that support. But again, I think overall, this is a beautiful thing to think about doing. So I absolutely don't want to sound foreboding or negative. Yes, I yeah. don't feel that at all. But yes, you're you're having the right considerations and questions in terms of we have a six-year-old, she needs to be prepared and understand this. And you're only beginning that process now. It's, you know, But the vetting process will take time, but there is a shortage of foster families, so it may not take as long as you think to be assigned a child with care. Just going back to that second question uh, about the very angry 15-year-old, that parent uh, was in contact with us while while we were talking. And uh, to say that this behaviour has happened before, this escalation is going on almost two weeks. Okay, so that you see, I I just felt this wasn't a one off incident. So, yeah, I mean, the advice is still the same, to be honest with you. I would bring in if if it's become so centred in your family and he will not speak to you because you're too directly involved Mm. and you have uncles. And I suppose parents have feelings, too, about this. You can't blame them for that. Absolutely. And this is happening in your home and there's other children involved. hundred percent. But this is a distressed child, mm. no question. And it may well be manifesting as anger, but it is underpinned by some other emotional state around distress or fear or anxiety. Something else is going on. If your other children know more than you do, do pull that in. But I would pull in some extra family members. Or if there's somebody he's close to in school or he has a good relationship with a teacher, you need he needs and you need extra support with this. Absolutely, he'd benefit from talking to someone, but getting your 15-year-old who's in this state of anxious anger arousal, hey, would you like to go to a therapist, is a huge job in itself. And it may be that you can affect change in him on behalf of your family by, as parents, you going for the therapeutic intervention. Yeah, Uh, also uh, somebody who's obviously had um, uh, experience fostering says that there are situations where the child can never be sent back to their birth family. Yep. The social worker was a great help to, to us to ensure we got the right placement for our family. My birth children were three and five when we started fostering. We didn't want a child to come and then go due to the impact on our two children. The right placement was made. Our youngest is with us over 10 years and will be uh, with us forever. 
course, that can vary. It's it great. Can be all sorts. Look at it. There's layers of complexity. It depends on the care order status that yeah. child holds, but also depends on you can never say this child is going to be with us forever because yeah. it's fostering and you cannot guarantee that. Even if on the balance of probability you think it's likely, mm. you cannot guarantee it, nor should you guarantee it to a young child. Um, yeah. But it is a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. The name of that book, by the way, is It Takes a Big Heart oh. to Hold a Little Hand, A Child's Guide to Becoming a Foster yeah, Family. I knew I'd retained a subline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, And that's available to download on tuzla.ie. Joanna, thanks a million. Thank you so As much. ever, happy Christmas to and you. Many and happy we'll- returns. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.